Hello, all you lovely souls who revel in embracing life just as I do. This is Nirja Malik and you are welcome into my world of I Embrace. And what do we intend to do here? We delve into the many layers and shades of my life, exploring resilience, positivity, strength, and the inherent fun in laughter that lies deep within each of us. Interludes from my own exciting and adventurous journey, my personal battles and victories that have brought forth innumerable lessons in my life. It is these learnings that I place on a golden platter with utmost humility for your personal consumption. My darling listeners, it's been a break and I don't know if you missed me, but I surely missed you. But there were so many things happening in my life that I want to talk about, that I want to share with you. Because I think each and every aspect of the last one month has been beautiful. You would like to know what happened in the last one month? Well, my beautiful, loving mother passed on to the other realms. No, she hasn't left us. The home I am in, the home that she and my father have lived for the last 34 years is absolutely vibrant and alive with their vibrations, their love, unconditional love their open, welcoming arms and smiles, their twinkling eyes, where everyone who came to our home, considering it their home, never left empty-handed, empty stomach, and empty heart. They embraced anyone who walked in, whether it was a sweeper, whether it was their best friend, whether it was the friends of us, our kids, some old maidservant who had been with them, my father and mother welcomed them, made them sit next to them, inquired about their life, ensured that they remembered what was their favorite and got it made and served it to them as if they were one of their own. And that is what made my parents so special, so wonderful. And perhaps I'd like to read something that I wrote when my mother passed on. She was dearly beloved by everyone because she 
looked upon each one who entered her sphere with such love that no one left feeling that they had not left their mother's home. And this is what I wrote when she passed on. Our mother is one with the one. She was united with our father in his heavenly abode on the 10th of February, 2024. She is at peace at the lotus feet of the almighty Supreme God. Ma touched innumerable lives, showering everyone with her unconditional love and an all-embracing, overflowing generosity. She lived each moment with an exuberant joyousness that impacted those around her, filling their lives with positivity as if through the sheer power of osmosis. Her twinkling eyes and ever-ready, warm and welcoming smile belied the inner strength that was an intrinsic part of her wonderful personality. Her loving blessings are with us eternally. And I feel that her hand is on my head, as is my father's. I feel that her presence is here all the time. I feel that I can hear her giggle because she made it a point, however sick she was, to come to the dining table, even in a wheelchair, and sit with my sister, my brother-in-law and I. Regale us with stories of our past and then giggle furiously at all the happy episodes. Yes, Ma is never going to leave us. She's going to be a part of us. Because as you do know that we are the flesh and the blood and the feelings and the emotions of our parents. So what you see, or rather what you hear, is a beautiful conjoining of two absolutely wonderful and joyous souls. And I and my sister are their products. So we don't have to remind ourselves of them. We don't have to remember them because we are them. And if you ask them, they would smile indulgently at us and say, but aren't we part and parcel of the whole world? And does not the world belong to us as we belong to the world? And are we not one? And are we not one with God? And is he not one with all of us? These are the learnings and the teachings that were not taught to us verbally or explained to us. They just were this and by sheer osmosis, by sheer example, we hope that we are even 1% of them and that 
So I came here a month back and I'm so happy. So happy, I cannot tell you. There was this urge, this craving, this longing to be with my mother. On the 21st of last month, I flew to Bombay from Chennai and I lived amidst her warmth and her love and her unconditional self in terms of looks, twinkling eyes, smiles, her hand on my head. We would cozily lie down. Towards the end, she did not have strength to get up very much. She was fatigued. And yet, we lay side by side, looking deep into each other's eyes. Just communicating deep thoughts, and if not thoughts, deep and unmeasurable love. Yes, I came here on the 21st. And Helpage India got in touch with me and they said, you're here. My God, this is phenomenal. We are having two days for senior citizens at the Geo World Convention Center. Can you please come on both days? <laughs> this conversation happened on the 22nd. And I said, I'm sorry. It, and it happened at 11.30 at night. So I said, no way, Jose. Not on the 23rd. But fix a time and I'll be there on the 24th and definitely I'll speak. And that's what happened. Dressed in pink, pink of life, the pink ribbon. I was transported to this lovely pavilion 18, led to pavilion 20. And there was this beautiful, beautiful area where I went and spoke. And I could see that people were interested in what I was saying. Because all the little cabins that I could see around me, people had stopped working. They were just focused on me. Passers-by were just stopping. And I was told that some of them even cried as they heard my story. As they heard that we can get out of any situation that we are in and we can overcome it, conquer it and move on. Having filled my soul with all the love that all the souls known and unknown people there poured into me, I made friends with a little girl who was busy using the smiley with her hand, but that's not all. She was chucking it all over the place. I played with her. I communicated and connected with so many random people who wanted to take my pictures and I discussed them. And let me tell you of the stuff that I heard. One of them actually told me that she had just lost her father some days back and that her mother was so hassled so upset, so 
feeling a void that she felt she couldn't live. And she tried to take her own life and to get back to God and him, her husband. And you know what? It was a failed attempt. And this girl was still raw because this episode with her mother happened five days before I met her on the 24th. And we discussed Indian philosophy, we discussed souls, we discussed life. And I told her that when, only when, the time is right and right, do we leave our body as a garment to move on elsewhere. Little did I know that I was unconsciously preparing myself for a loss that I would encounter, that my sister would encounter, that we would all encounter. Because the way my mother touched all those souls that even came into her sphere remotely, someone who had just seen her in passing, a postman or a sweeper or a kachra remover or a lift man. She had an impact because her aura just was so lovely, so wonderful and all-embracing that everyone felt deeply touched. And if I may say so, deeply honoured to be part of that nanosecond where she passed by. She passed by, not thinking that this is a stranger. She passed by with that same lovely, serene, beautiful smile and her twinkling eyes that showed everyone that she cared. She cared from the depths of her heart, the depths of her mind, the very depths of her soul. I came back and I could put on my track pants and t-shirt, little realizing that that is what I would rush my mother to the hospital for the first time. Our driver rushed my mother to the hospital for the first time. She had not been doing too well, so we had told our driver that we could call him any time. And like a good trooper, he landed up. What was the trouble that night? Her left arm was hurting. Her left ribcage was hurting. And she was feeling distressed. We rushed her down in the wheelchair and rushed her to the Indian Navy hospital ship. It's Ashwini in Bombay, southernmost tip of Bombay. ECGs, X-rays were taken. And when the X-ray was taken, I specifically asked, is there fluid in the lungs? There wasn't. So she was settled down and we came right back home. And like a trooper, when she felt better, 
she would come in a wheelchair, sit on a chair outside, seeing the sea on all three sides because we live on the ninth floor of a building and her window overlooked all this, including the swimming pool downstairs. And if she didn't want to eat something, do you know what she would do? She would slyly look around and see that there was no one watching. And then she would just slip it out of the window. And all her friends, the crows and the eagles and the sparrows, knew that their tuck was going to come through that window. And we would tell her, you know. The girls who looked after her would tell her, see, you, you do this. And then... Uh, all kinds of ants and insects also get, you know, properly tempted and invited. But this was her. Quietly she would slip it with a very naughty smile if you can visualize it. And so that window, the two bedrooms that we have, there are little, little shadows that sit on the old air conditioner, the window one. And uh, <laughs> of course, it's no longer there. Just the the box is there because we've all shifted to the automatic ones. And uh, early morning, the birds chirp out songs and food is kept. The other window is crows and they come and they peck on the window to say that they have arrived and, well, it's high time that they were fed, you know. And the fourth place is the kitchen. Because in the afternoon, after the girls have had their food, then all the crows congregate to have theirs. It's like a party, 30, 40, 50 of them have their food and then they come the next day. So... My mother's house was beautifully routinized. And when I say girls, a girl called Vasanti has been with her for the last 43 years. I've been married for 45. She's a cook. And then we have Rehmat, who's the body that has the strength to lift her. And then we always have two little girls who love her, adore her. They have played cards with her. They have played with, you know, little bits of coins and they have teased her and she has giggled furiously. Yes, there was no sorrow in our house. When she was upset or when she was unwell, they were all around her and they would cry. All of them. And one day, I was firm with them. And I said, there's going to be no crying in this house. I said, you know, you think that your tears and your vibrations of sorrow in advance are not reaching my mother? And I said, at the same time that you are crying because you love her so dearly, at the same time, you could be praying for her. You could be praying for her not having 
any suffering. You could be praying because wasn't she your Shakti? And now, together we have to be her Shakti. They were quite shattered with this kind of thinking because they would cry and weep. And after all, they're young, 20 or two of them were back, 21, 23. The others were older. But these young ones would pick up their skirts and just weep into them. Weep, cry, their bodies writhing because they loved her so much. They pained for her, they ached for her every time she was in distress. On the 28th, it was different. She couldn't breathe. It was as if she was drowning. And once again, the driver came rushing. Just a call away. We told him to jump into a cab and come. And we took her in the car. Once more to the same place. The ECG showed that there was not much of a difference. And uh, they wanted to poke her, but all the blood tests had been taken just four days before. And she felt better, and we came home. On the 29th night, 13th morning, she was very distressed. Dil ghabrada hai. And we took her in the wheelchair downstairs. And she kind of sweated and she became unconscious. There was no way that we could take her in the car. My sister, the driver and their car went rushing to Ashwini, got an ambulance from there. She was on a wheelchair. The ambulance got a stretcher. And I found two cane chairs in the lobby. I had taken her back into the building, into the lobby. And we couldn't lift her and put her on the floor on the stretcher. So I used those cane chairs for the ends of the stretcher. The height was good. It was the same as the chair that she was sitting on. And we lifted her and put her there. I went with her in the ambulance. And they admitted her right away. Yes, we had already gone and met the nephrologist. But then we discovered that she was under a pulmonologist. And we discovered that between the last day or so, a couple of days, when she was feeling like nauseatic and wanting to expel the food, Puke, vomit. Instead of coming out, it was going into her lungs. So she was actually admitted under the pulmonologist. And let me tell you, they looked after her so beautifully. To the extent that we even got her to change her bed to a wider 
larger space where a commode could be kept. But mother, dear mother, yes, they had started her own antibiotics because there were food particles in her lungs. They wanted to get rid of that infection which was causing aspiration pneumonia. And uh, the ECG showed changes so she may have had a slight heart episode also. And when she came to, do you know what she said? I said, Ma, will you have something? And she said, Adam after I go home. And I think for many hours, she just kept saying no. She refused food, refused drink. Yes. There was a line through which the antibiotics were going into her body. Saline was going into her body, but not a drop to drink and nothing to eat. And her stubbornness or her constant refrain was, take me home. And we discussed it with the doctors and they said, well, you can have her discharged, but against medical advice. But you know what, my sister and I, we felt that this agitation, this despair, this frustration, and this wanting to be home is going to be more harmful for her than any of the medicine any of the goodness that the medicines could do for her. And so, yes, I signed a paper saying discharged against medical advice and we got her home. Ankuj, my brother-in-law, immediately got an oxygen concentrator because when she was upright, her oxygen levels were good. The minute she would lie down, they would drop. So he handled that. He got a backrest immediately. My sister arranged nurses for the day and night. And all of us surrounded her with our love and affection. We were by her side. Just a couple of days before she passed on, I had a dream or a vision. And that was that all my ancestors, all our ancestors, our grandparents from the maternal side and the paternal side were there. It was all in black and white. And all my uncles and aunts who had passed away, cousins who had passed away, they were all there and there was an air of festivity and all looked the age that they had passed away at. And suddenly out of this crowd, you know, when you suddenly think band, Maja, Bharat, suddenly out of this crowd, my father emerged as a very young, dashing, handsome youth wearing a suit and looking 
also very dapper. And they all have their arms outstretched, as if in welcome. And I looked towards where they were looking, and my mother was actually running towards their welcoming arms. And she was wearing a sari, a beautiful sari. And she was her young self at the time when they got married. And my father and she met and the crowds surrounded them and there was so much of joy and happiness. And you know what that did to me? It soothed my soul. I think these were all her ways of preparing us for the inevitable. Like I told that girl whose mother was with her rather than with her husband. I told her that we all come with two-way tickets, but we never know when we are going back. We all have to go back. We all have to change our garments. And we do it. And it is not how we, or when we die. It is how we have lived. Because how we have lived is literally how we go. At one point of time, I didn't feel like eating at all. And I had another vision. Where someone is offering me food and I am emphatically denying it. And suddenly from nowhere, her hand comes and I can recognize her hand. And she took the food from that hand and put it in my hand that I had slowly extended towards hers when I recognized her hand. I think these are all preparatory things that she ensured that were coming our way to make us strong. And I would share these with the girls, with my sister, because I felt that these were messages to us, to be strong, to be resilient, to be courageous. And isn't what this podcast is all about? I embrace strength, resilience, Courage, positivity. My mother ensured that we were getting packed in all our empty crevices, all the voids. She was filling us with all these to be prepared for what we knew was inevitable. So my darlings, how we look upon death, how we look upon the passing away of a loved one, a dearly loved one, who is such a part of you as you are then. And how we can look upon the passing away of anyone and everyone, even those that have gone in terrible circumstances during wars, during epidemics, due to 
hunger. They're all part of us. And all the time, when we pray, we just need to send our love, our resilience, our strength, our courage to every, each and every soul in the world who needs it. My mother was a mother for everyone, even those who did not know her. She had that in her. And all I can say is that, Ma, we all love you. I Embrace isn't just about my journey of conquering cancer. It's about embracing life in all its entanglement and beauty. Remember, in this journey of life, you are never alone. And I need to thank you for becoming a part of this inspiring journey. Thank you for joining me today on I Embrace and my heartfelt wishes. Stay resilient, stay positive, and most importantly, keep embracing life in all its glory.